you know, I have a dead man switch, but I die. Yeah, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna get a it's you're gonna, you're gonna get a link recorded just by himself. <laughs> <laughs> a man a man is gonna come up to you on the street, he's gonna hand you a thumb drive and it's gonna have everything on there. I've, I've heard the episode because Steve accidentally put it on the Dropbox, and it's t- it's actually titled Episode 90. So that's the most he expects us to do. It tells you how that's much, it tells you how much he believes in us, and then it says, and the title of the episode is "No More Interruptions Today, Dickheads." <laughs> Welcome back to the Trilateral Troika. This is Steve, along with the other Steve. Uh, hello. And Ryan. I have Michelob Ultra seltzers. These things taste like flavored water. Uh, we'll talk to you guys someone... next week. We have to have an intervention. <laughs> Listen, the flavor of these things sounds like somebody was in the next room was just like... Black cherry, and it's just—it's disgusting. Oh, yeah, it taste like I love those uh, those like jokes about the flavor of uh, Truly and like White Claw, like Lacroix. Yeah, Lacroix. Yeah, <laughs> this this bottle of Lacroix was stored next to a crate, a hermetically sealed crate of blueberry <laughs> flavoring for a year. It's like the Metallica whiskey. I, I think it's called like. It's called like blackened or something yeah. like that. Yeah. If it's but not they, sold in a jar, I'm gonna be so mad right now. It, it comes. It actually comes in like a, a glass bottle, and what it is is they have a Metallica playlist that they play at the like cask that yeah. it's in. Yeah. To the barrel, and then uh, <laughs> that's that's it, it's imbued with Metallica. Part I am so beautiful. Thoroughly interested. <laughs> yeah, I want I want I want to try that. It's not it's not cheap. I would I would probably get some other like celebrity liquor before it, but I want the Dan Aykroyd Crystal Skull vodka. Nah, I've heard that's terrible. Oh yeah. god, why would you? It's do this also to me? really expensive. It's like Sammy Hagar's Cabo Wabo. I don't drink tequila. Well, you can I mean, get the uh, <laughs> the one that Brian Cranston and uh, what's his name who played Jesse Peekman. Yeah, um, they they have a tequila. Don't say Casamigos. So Cause that that stuff that's like the bougie brand that the actors sell and like Alex Rodriguez and them, mm-hmm. and it's just like whatever. I see well, a lot of tequila think... reviewers online uh, and on and on TikTok. It's crazy. There's so many of them, and yeah. they're just like, yeah, don't get Casamigos. It's, it's a waste. Yeah. Of but yeah, money. that's that's the one that like Brian Cranston and uh, what's his face started. Okay, that sounds interesting. <laughs> and uh, speaking of unfettered capitalism, what? horrific horrors of history are we going to dive into today we're actually going to be talking about time today since it's a new year uh we're going to be talking about uh uh, chronology uh to be more specific big fan of pink pink floyd in general yeah we're we're going to be talking about we're going to be talking about dark side of the moon um (laughs) are you serious no. no oh god don't get my fucking hopes up like that man i was so for a minute i was like something i know about i can contribute this podcast is just going to be us listening to dark side of the moon we're not going to comment on it it's just going to be silence that you listen to every while now in the you background to you're it. just going to hear like a lighter flicking and then oh you just can hear like somebody hitting a bong what, you- one of us is about to speak and then a new track starts and then we just quiet down <laughs> uh. all right now that you've thoroughly broken my heart by getting my hopes up and dashing them against a rock what are we um, talking about? So we, Where's we your God now? 
we're, we are going to be talking about the uh, the new chronology, uh, but first we're going to go over that there are an, a number of conspiracies involving what the actual like date and chronology or uh, of events is. Um, that the that there are people who doubt that the the chronology that that's commonly uh, held to be uh, the standard one is wrong because if there's anything we know about the world that if there's something um, that that's sort of set and accepted, there will be people who say no, it isn't, just for the fact of saying no, it isn't. Yeah. Okay. I see what we're going to be talking about today. I see where this is going. So let me just. <laughs> All right. Now I'm ready. Let's go. Uh, uh, f- for instance, uh, one of the uh, the earlier ones uh, that that sort of pops up in the modern era um, comes from Emanuel uh, Velikovsky. Uh, the um, Velikovsky so, mysteries or heresies, so, right? Well, it's not really. I, I guess you could call them heresies, but it's just uh, sort that, of that's like, what they're called, though. That's the, I think that's the name of the book, the Velikovsky heresies. Well, he has he has three books that are on it, and they're called Worlds in Collision, which came out in 1950. Ages in Chaos, which came out in 1952, and Earth in Upheaval in 1955. And then um, Power Man 5000's When Worlds Collide came yes. out in 1999. I, I don't think they're problematic <laughs> in any way, but I give a shout out to the uh, the Snake Brothers podcast, Brother, Brotherhood of the Serpent or whatever. They're like a, Is that uh, their podcast? They're like a paranormal podcast, like an Art Bell thing, but they're a little bit more, oh, okay. more down-to-earth. They brew beer, okay. they're just kind of chill, but uh, that's pretty but good. The... The problem with Velikovsky's thing, or I should say what his basis is, is that he tries to reconcile biblical events uh, with real-world history. Um, so he, he sort of tries to match up um, like sort of astro- astronomical events and stuff with events in the Bible. Uh, for instance, um, he says, like, for instance, the fall of the Tower of Babel was related um, to, to, like, an astronomical phenomenon. Steve, that, that thing I was talking about, by the way, that... Uh the Velikovsky Heresies. It's a book written by. It's like a reexamination written by Laird Scran. So, uh, so also wonderful author, <laughs> like so, real smart guy. Well, so but, before we do any like really really into this, you're talking about time, and you talk about the Bible, and you talk about like trying to like place events and stuff like that. Um, are we going to really talk about how Jesus's birth is like in June or some shit like that or July? No, no, not really, because it's not really like no one thought. When they when they declared you know Christmas to be when it is um, and when it originally was, no one thought you know that um, the whole religion that Jesus was born during that time it. period. It, it it was the fact that there were already existing festivals during that time right. period, like right, we right, talked right. about in the Christmas episode, yeah. right. where they they just sort of adapted like, well, what's the most important festivals of the year? Well, we're going to make them all about Jesus. And like, ah. well, because Easter is about like the spring and the spring equinox, which is about rebirth. So why it's um, bunnies because so, they keep fucking in the spring. So it's about Jesus's uh, coming back um, from the dead, you know, his, his resurrection. Um, so that is given the importance because usually in, in a lot of cultures, the spring equinox is like the most important um, part of the year. Um, arguably, um, Yule, which eventually becomes like Christmas, is also important, but it, it, it's sort of like in a lesser significance. So let's do a thought exercise real quick, right? Let's pretend you're alive in like zero, the year zero, right? And let's say you witnessed this this guy get nailed to a cross, right? And you don't know what the deal is, right? Like you're not one of his people that follows him. You just see like, yo, this guy just fucked up right. big. They just nailed him to a fucking cross. You're making breakfast and all of a sudden right. a procession goes by and you're like, well, oh shit. So so Another now one? now 
right? So now, three days later, you're standing there, and you see his ass roll the boulder and come walking out of this cave. Yo, how mind fucked are you going to be? Just looking at this like, dog, you were nailed to a crawl. What, what is well, going only, on? <laughs> only the apostles saw it. That's what I'm saying, um, but I'm just saying, what if you were just that random dude that was out there, like, hitting and, the rock with a pickaxe? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, one of those yeah. random nobodies in history <laughs> that time just kind you're of the less, over, You're you the lesser it. apostle. You're Phil. Yeah. yeah. We're going to yeah. call yeah. you yeah. Phil. <laughs> yeah. You're the, apo- you're the apostle, like, Nathan. Like, <laughs> Phil, Phil Baggins. Phil, of, <laughs> Phil, or, Phil, Phil of, South, of South Jerusalem. Yeah. I can't even imagine how <laughs> fucked you'd be, though. Out of having another one of those crucifixes it in all right here comes ah they're all dead okay damn there's three of them this time weird how the sky looks like that (laughs) why is phil australian now (laughs) but uh one of the one of the main problems that comes with velikovsky and this is something that's very common with a lot of these is it that he's trying to link biblical events to real world history Yeah, it it is. But I just is, hear that Dana that Dana Gould like comedy skit where he's he's like, you know, there's a voice in your brain that's supposed to go mistake when you <laughs> yes. do certain things. Mistake <laughs> is is that he is actually his his area of study is in uh, he's a psychiatrist and a psychoanalyst. <laughs> okay. Which is, is which is common joke. for a lot of these people that come up with these theories <sighs> is that they're not actually like within those domains. Uh, so all which, I have to do is come up with a theory, and I can call myself a psychoanalyst. Well, no, no, he he actually does have like a degree in psychiatry and psychoanalysts, and he helped found like yeah. the the first like science university in uh, Israel. I took um, intro to psychology but, for my paramedic degree. Yeah, but, but the but the problem is not that he's a psychologist. The problem is is that he's a psychologist slash psychiatrist who's who's like talking about like the correct dates of things. Like like he's completely out of his wheelhouse. It's sort of like you know just because uh, to to go back to Sleepy Ben Carson, like just because he's like a genius brain surgeon. Uh, d- doesn't mean he like knows jack about shit when it comes Correct. to everything else, Correct. like you know the pyramids being giant grain silos. God, he's so dumb. Um, so that that's sort of the main problem. Well, it's not that he's dumb. It's that he's, no, he's dumb. It's that he's, he's dumb. It's that he's arrogant. It, he's like a savant. It's what it comes down he's, to. He's dumb. Yeah, he's any well, he's, reasonable person would say, Ben Carson, you are crazy for thinking that when we have almost indisputable proof as to what these things were actually used for. So if you're going to say things like that... I realize I'm being pedantic. He's not dumb. Dumb dumb (laughs) implies that he can't, like, cognate things. He can... To a very high degree Steve, in one area. What word would you, you use? You have to. He's just being a word absolutist. So, so what word, Mister uh, Word Absolutist? I just said he's arrogant. That's what it is. Yeah. He thinks yeah, that he can. More than that, he thinks that he can figure well, he, things he out. He suffers. He suffers from Dunning Kruger. Correct, but I mean, it's got to be in more other than areas. So you can be dumb not, in one area, though. You're you, not. That's not to get off correct. on on so. who's dumb and who isn't and. And all that because everyone's um, fucking the, dumb. The main thing is that these, these are people who who may be um, sort of like savants in one area, but um, they're they're going into areas that they're completely untrained in and have no real idea in, and they're also motivated by personal um, sort of uh, beliefs and, and sometimes vendettas. Money. Like, well, I would say Velikovsky is also uh, influenced by the fact that that Velikovsky was was Jewish, and for him to sort of say. You know that the Bible and everything that's in like the Old Testament is actually factual. 
um, it it sort of increases uh, the the Jewish claim to Israel. Yeah, but you can't just spout off nonsense like that without proof. And, well, and I'm you, not saying that's the thing is well, that's, you that, can. that's what he's saying. He's manufacturing <laughs> proof. He has like he's not just saying like I think this. He's like writing whole books on like why he is, and he's saying like well, you know this phenomenon uh, occurred this you know uh, because this this star did this at this right. point. We can tell that this is this in the Bible, so that means that this actually happened. And then Laird Scranton um, writes a book based on what you wrote, and then somebody starts a show based on what Laird Scranton said, based on what Velikovsky said, and there, it turns into those, like Seven Up. Well, those guys are really big into Graham Hancock, who's also a, a charlatan. Yeah, they're all um, lunatics. Um, another one that comes after um, that that is sort of a little more uh, grounded is uh, Herbert uh, Illig. Um, and in 1991, he he was a German. Um, Hell and, of a name. Yeah, it's a and, mouthful, bro. And he he published his uh, Phantom Time Hypothesis. Uh, which is a hypothesis that there was a conspiracy created by the Holy Roman Emperor Otto III, um, Pope Sylvester II, and possibly uh, the Byzantine Emperor uh, Constantine VII uh, to fabricate um, the AD dating system retroactively um, in order to place them at the special year of AD 1000 um, and to rewrite history to legitimize Otto's claim to the Holy Roman Empire. I believe Otto also uh, issued the edict... Um, it's a very popular edict known as the Edict of uh, of Emperor Otto, which is my name is Otto and I like to get blotto. I believe that. <laughs> I believe that's. Oh no, I'm sorry. That's the Simpsons. I'm sorry. That that's the Simpsons. I messed that up. Oh I, you know God. what's a big problem I have with all this? And I, so, like, obviously, you guys know I have a, a pet peeve about calling people dumb. But like the, uh, <laughs> but the thing is, out. is that with these, uh, with these, like, people who hearken back when they get evidence, like they they hearken back to old histories and things like that to prove something in current day, rather than looking at current day when we have so much more information than anyone did back then. So much more. Most I shit has been laid access. bare. I, yeah, listen, I have access to the wealth and the collective wealth of every piece of information that almost ever yeah. in human history in the fucking palm of my hand yeah. on my phone. And you look and at it when you're taking a shit. We still argue about basic fucking <laughs> facts with people. Like, look at your fucking phone. It'll tell you exactly what we're arguing about, and it'll tell you you're wrong. And it's just crazy, like, because it, it, it's always, like, with these conspiracy guys in this in this arena that Steve's talking, it seems to be, like, there's always a penchant to go back, like, a thousand years ago. An emperor changed everything, and that's fucked it all up and it's like dude no no <laughs> shut the fuck up dude we don't believe in like scary ghosts anymore okay um yeah. so uh, is sort of claiming that that documents were altered um that there was a misrepresentation of documents um and that forgery um and the creation of uh, uh of um physical evidence uh sort of makes it so that this uh that this fake timeline is being instructed <laughs> So, but according to this period, uh, this scenario, um, the entire period, which is called the Carolinian period, um, including Charlemagne, um, is is a fabrication, um, which which sort of knocks off two hundred ninety seven years off the current calendar. Shout out Are to, ho- get shout out to Hot Nine Seven, Charlemagne <laughs> the God. <laughs> <laughs> Are we gonna get to the point where it's like Steve's gonna hit us with like the the fucking the grand finale? He's like, really, guys, we're living in year seven. 
he's just gonna go through the episode and progressively take more years off the calendar where we actually are. He's like, so now we're three fucking hundred and fifty well, years back of where there, we were. There are other calendars, like, of course, like there is, is like there there are legitimate other calendars. For instance, like the Jewish calendar, the Muslim yeah, the Chinese calendar. calendar. I was just reading an article uh, earlier today about how broken modern astrology is because it doesn't take into account the wobble, the Earth, and and all yeah, this other yeah. stuff. But one of the points they brought up in the article was that you, uh, you know, different cultures have different astrological schemes. So, like, the Mayans looked at the black space in between the stars to make their constellations. They didn't oh, use, really? Yeah, they didn't yeah. use the actual well, stars and draw lines between them. They used but, the, the empty space. So it's like... Really? Different different calendars is a similar thing. It's like just because it's the conceit that just because well, your part of the world is operating with one calendar that everyone well, has. Well, astrology it, itself is all just bullshit. That that like is inconsistent because, for instance, Steve, um, with like, of course it's not. Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying, like, if you took, <laughs> if you took, like, for, for instance, look at like feng shui. Like, if you took five Dude, feng shui masters, they all say the same in- thing. You're fucking lying. Don't even say it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll let Steve, uh, Steve look I have red his, uh, boxes in the north sides of my house and according to my buddy Jeff they're supposed to be in the east sides of my house now I have red boxes yeah. on the east sides of my house you, you have a you have a giant tortoise penned in the north side of your yard you're goddamn um, right I have a, I have the, the what's it called mirror the uh, the bagua mirror hanging up in the other room not for any particular reason just in case the one that hangs on the ceiling over your bed Nah, it just has like a. It's got a mirror with a bagua. That's on a it. sex mirror, Ryan. The bagua are probably like off too. They're probably the, in the wrong direction. Fucking. Also, feng shui. I will not be hearing any disparaging con- comments about feng shui on this podcast. Your feng shui is wrong. <laughs> I'm 100. Just, feng just shui ask right. one in five feng shui. One in five. That's like the bad evidence line, right? So I yeah. set up my house. According to feng shui principles, and you can go around and say one in five feng shui experts completely agree that my house is set up perfect. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like with wine. If you talk to five different, yeah, um, what do you call them? Not the sommeliers, but like the people who allegedly know everything about wine. The, the cheapest wine is like most of the time like ah, Look, this is Ryan, the best. You this know is what? The most flavorful. Your average Somali can't afford wine. Fair. <laughs> well, it depends on if he got the uh, the tanker ship or not. <laughs> Not, not that he'd drink it, because that's that's the thing about the the Somali pirate. You know, he doesn't drink alcohol because he's a devout Muslim. He just saves that money. Yeah, and he just sells know. it because you know. And, you know, and how did and how did he get that tanker ship? Jihad. <laughs> <laughs> it's like how SpongeBob got his pineapple house under the sea. All right, so back to what day of the week it happened. <laughs> okay, the the next one on our list is uh, Graham Hancock, who I mentioned earlier. Um, he he first published his he, he's published a number of things about like ancient Egypt and a lot of these people are obsessed with going against Egyptology because they want to say that like the the setups of the dynasties and stuff are incorrect um, and a lot of these people get shut down um, because you know one they're they're going against like hundreds of years of established history and two there there's an entire discipline that's dedicated around it. That that doesn't want people like to, to come in and just shake it up, you know. It's not like it's is not like a feel. Is this the same Graham Hancock that was on Joe Rogan a few times? Yes, yes. Oh my god! So I know this guy. Yeah. He's so bad that he had one of his TED talks taken down 
like the, the the TED Talk people were like, "Nah, you're a lunatic. You need to take this." They're off. like an- the anti-vaxxers of histor- historicity. Like yeah. they're just they're, they so, they have no basis in this field, and they really shouldn't be spouting off at the mouth. So he is a he is a sociologist um, by education, um, but he's a writer and journalist by trade. Um, so he's another guy where his his area is not in like anthropology, archaeology, history. Um, it's in it's in sort of a soft science um, that he doesn't really work in. Um, so he first published his book Fingerprints of the Gods in 1995. Uh, the subtitle of that is the evidence of Earth's lost civilization. Um, and that he argues that there used to be this sort of super civilization based in Antarctica um, and that that sort of got destroyed around the time of the last ice age, which was at uh, 10,450 BC. Um, and he suggests that that was because a major pole shift took place. And um, I like how this is a recurring theme on this podcast where historical people or people will take one minute, like, kind of half-baked truth and just fucking take off with just it. Just extrapolate so a, the shit out yeah, of it, yeah. There's a grain of truth that at some point Antarctica was not just a sheet of fucking ice and it was actually, like, had flora and fauna population to it. So, I mean, it would stand to reason that there could potentially have been a population there, you know, if we were ever to find evidence of it. But the the idea that there could have been is where these people are like, oh, yeah, and they had gilded towers and they had fucking Jetsons cars. Yeah. Well, you know, a big like, thing, on, too, is that they'll take a, a grain of truth that actually is true, but they'll apply it in a way where it makes no sense. So, <laughs> so like, for instance, we went over how Christmas, December the 25th, is not Christ's birth. If there is a Correct. Christ, it is not Christ's Correct. birth, right? Correct. We know that. But, like, for instance, the Je- I'm not going to get into a big thing, but the Jehovah's Witnesses use that as, like, a, a leveraging point when they're trying to get people into the religion. They're like, it's not accurate. It's not yeah, accurate. Yeah, but then when someone's like, so tell me about your religion, and if, if okay, I mean... You see what I'm saying, though? They know that ooh. it's not accurate, and you can back it up with tons of information. And if it's important yeah. to you to be accurate, then you might become a fundamentalist based on being sold that this is important, even though it's just a historical tidbit that's only relevant when you're talking about, like history and sociology well, you can also shoot them in the foot because having you know somebody that you want to convert, yeah. go deep think about the current religion they're in could now turn have them turn around and really give your religion a deep thought and then when they're like um i'm sorry you believe in gold plates yeah that's what happens Get the fuck out of here. that's what happens with them because i mean ultimately it's a cult but i mean that's what happens with them anyway i'm just saying like that it's like the the extended version of what you just said right like yeah it, it's not bullshit it's not even up for it's not a supposition that the timeline might be wrong. Like they can prove that it's wrong. And mm-hmm. then uh, if that's important to you, you're fucked. You just got got. Yeah. Your whole world comes crashing down. These guys fucking Graham Hancock. You think, I hate these people. You think Joe Rogan <laughs> has like an alternative calendar? Joe Rogan was hard as a fucking rock when Graham Hancock was on his show talking about well, he, how like science this it was bullshit well, he, and how like dinosaurs died out because of they were smoking cigars and like <laughs> Joe Rogan could cut glass just talking about all the conspiracy theories that Joe, day. Joe Rogan especially likes him because he loves going on about the whole like that the that the, the Sphinx, DMT and shit. Well, the Sphinx and the um and the pyramids, you know that they they that they have like moisture damage. And, like, he's claiming that, like, there's evidence that, like, it used to be in, like, a more fertile area um, so that, that, that like, it wasn't a desert and that, that they have rain damage and that shows that it comes from an, an older 
um, civilization and that the Egyptians didn't actually build it. It was a civilization before the Egyptians. Ugh. And it just it just goes on this whole thing. And that's what that's what Joe Rogan really likes. Uh, Aaron Rodgers probably also likes him a lot because uh, when Aaron Rodgers did that talk in front of his bookshelf, um, <laughs> he had some books on alternative archaeology that some people picked out. Yeah, he also and, had Atlas and, and your girl Ayn Rand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who uh, I just want to give a shout out to our number one reviewer, Cuffy Megs. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so people will say that there are a lot of discrepancies with with Hancock's theories, especially with carbon dating and the fossil record. Um, but his his defenders, I, I don't know if Hancock says this specifically, but some of his defenders will say that that it's obvious that that there was probably some sort of like thermonuclear event. Um, at the end of the civilization, you know, because they were so advanced, that that just, like, caused a, a bunch of fallout, so you can't really trust uh, the, the carbon dating or whatever, because cause they'll come out with these items, and, and it's popular in Russia, too, but I think it's just more because of, like, Russian weirdos, which we'll get into, where they'll mm-hmm. say, like, oh, we have this item that's, like, 30,000 30, years old, and, like, and like they'll point to sort of, like, lost <laughs> sites, like Gabolte uh, uh, Teke um, in... Um, in turkey in newark like, like these yeah in newark um these uh these sort of uh these, these sort of like somewhat advanced like stone structures for the neolithic period but they'll say like oh well well this obviously shows that there was another civilization but i think what they're seeing and what the most likely case is is that these were like civilizations that sort of failed as we see like in north america where we find evidence of and, and also like in in india and like the indus valley where you'll have these civilizations that build stone structures, but they haven't really mastered um, sort of agriculture to a degree that they can actually sustain um, that that standing society. And also times two, they often um, deplete the resources around them building these structures, and they're left with nothing they can use, so they have to sort of abandon the area and move to a new one. Or they can be like Haiti, where the, the land gets completely stripped of all natural resources. <laughs> in like a a single generation would that also count for great zimbabwe uh Uh, yeah because that was sort of the thing we said about great zimbabwe was that it it seemed possible that they used up the the local resources and then it it sort of caused uh, a somewhat collapse and collapse in the sense that like people just like moved away gotcha okay that, that that essentially it's less you know atlantis and it's more like detroit that, that makes that's, any sense. Okay, that's all right, wait a minute. That's what I'm naming the episode. Less Atlantis, <laughs> more Detroit. Less Atlantis, more Perfect. Detroit. Who the by the way, last time I checked where Detroit Lions were beating the Green Bay Packers and hopefully laying a big goose egg on Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, he doesn't have well, zero me. points, but I hope they, you know, literally shit an egg on him cuz fuck him. You, you, you mean well, Karen Rodgers? Karen Rodgers. <laughs> Well, uh, Jacksonville's smashing the Colts in that if uh, Jacksonville <laughs> wins and the Steelers win, um, the Steelers will go to the, the playoffs I know. To, to probably lose in the first round. But the Steelers are losing to the Ravens right now. Yeah, there's still time. There's still time. <laughs> there's still time. Anyway, that's been our NFL update. Back to you, Steve. Um, and then, so our main focus for this episode and the follow-up episode is going to be... Um, Two-parter! Anatoly Fomenko. Um, Anatoly Fomenko. Man, we'd be straight uh, crushing on Russians, huh? Yeah. Yo, bro, we kill them names, bro. <laughs> Less Atlantis, more Moscow. 
<laughs> he was uh, he was born on March thirteenth, nineteen forty five, um, in Stalino, uh, Ukraine. Um, Called it in the Soviet Union. Uh, Stalino <laughs> is is currently named uh, Donetsk. Oh, really, Donetsk? Uh, so, yeah, yeah. So uh, the the currently um, occupied uh, city within uh, Ukraine. Wow. Um, and and F- and Fomenko himself lives in uh, Russia proper today. All right. So th- you um, said we're going to do this is about the great Flamenco, right? Yes. <laughs> so I- ICP. And it's uh, and it's battle with the uh, the forbidden dance of magnets. <laughs> no, the Lombada, the forbidden dance. So you said the Flamenco. Yeah, there's a there's an ICP album from back no, in the it's day the, called it's the Malenko, great, great, like Dean. Malenko. Is it Great Malenko? Oh, that's been yeah. so long after dude. after Dean Malenko. That's the right. Horseman. Yeah, you're right. That's right. Shit, he was my favorite wrestler um, for about six months. He was great. He was great. Yeah. <laughs> um. So he is the son of an industrial engineer named Timothy uh, Grigorovich uh, Fomenko, um, and a a philologist and teacher, um, uh, Valentina. Um, Pola Karpovna um, Nemarkova. Ah. Um, his his parents would later be uh, co-authors on his works on histories in uh, 1983 and 1996. Um, so while he was while he was born in modern day uh, Donetsk, um, he was raised and schooled in uh, Magadan, um, which is another major city. Wait, his in- wife was a philologist. No, his his mother. Oh, okay. Philologist? Is it what it's called? Yeah, it's like this, this uh, knowledge. The study of falafels? No, it's the study of, of like, language and, and the structure <laughs> of languages. I was going to say, study of falafels. Let me get in on that. Like, J.R.R. Tolkien was a <laughs> Forget being a nurse, man. Let me be a falafelologist. Yeah. <laughs> a falafelologist. Now I want a falafel. <laughs> Yo, we right. went from philology to lunch. Less less philology, more falafelology. More just falafels in general, honestly. Absolutely, man. I mean, um, just another culture stocko. <laughs> um, in nineteen fifty nine, uh, the family would return to eastern Ukraine and settled in uh, Luhansk, um, and where uh, where Fomenko uh, attended uh, secondary school. Um, during that time, he participated in uh, many competitions related to mathematics, and he won several uh, prizes um, as a result of those competitions. He clearly didn't get enough wedgies either. Um, in 1959, <laughs> uh, the the magazine uh, Pioneer Truth uh, published his first known science fiction story, which was titled The Mystery of the Milky Way. Basically, what it was about, just to give you guys a brief overview, was he purchased a Milky Way candy bar at a local store, and he set it down, and it went missing. So, it was just him <laughs> trying to find his fucking candy bar. <laughs> um, he would eventually graduate uh, from oh, the Oh, fuck you guys. That was a good joke. I thought it was I great. Laughed. I thought it was great. I laughed. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Um, he graduated from the mechanics and mathematics uh, uh, faculty of the Moscow State University in 1967, and in 1969, um, he began working in the Department of Differential Geometry um, as a faculty member. God, that sounds like the most boring job in existence. In in 1970, differential defended- geometry is this a square or a triangle? <laughs> What's the I difference? Lose my mind, bro. They're all they're all just sitting in like an observation like 
like room staring at shapes like like victorian doctors and the guys just got like he's holding up different shapes and they're just like <laughs> writing down seriously <laughs> on their pads looking, uh, looking thoughtfully out of like those three foot long pipes hmm <laughs> i'm going to go with hexagon. <laughs> uh, i'm going with hexagon you're out of order <laughs> <laughs> some people might back. find your foundings to be heretical get the get Take the great back. flamenco out of here <laughs> it's a quadrilateral and you know it <laughs> um in 1970, he would defend his thesis called, titled The Classification of Totally Geodesic uh, Manifolds, Realizing Non-Trivial Cycles in Romanian Homogeneous Spaces. Um, and in 1972, he defended his doctoral thesis, uh, The Decision of the Multidimensional Plateau Problems on uh, Romanian uh, Manifolds. Right. Um, in, in December of 1989... Classic became, paper, by the way. Just... Yeah, we've all read it. Just changing the game. <laughs> um, so in 1981, he became a professor in the Department of Higher Geometry and, and Topology, um, and in 1992, he became the head of the Department of Differential Geometry. <laughs> I, I can't even say the joke because it's going to just totally just set Steve off because he's going to have to mark it not safe for work. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's already not safe for work. I know a couple girls who are graduated top of their class and have degrees in topology. <laughs> That's kind of like like a bad joke from like a Sharknado movie, you know? <laughs> or like a shock jock. It's like something that, yeah, it's like something that, um, what's that one shock jock that uh, Murder Brian always talks about? Uh, Not Howard Stern. Mad Cow? No, or? Mad Cow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do some topology, that's yeah. all I could think of. Ladies, come over here. Honestly, that's a comment, though. That's a comment. <laughs> You're professional. Classic. You got a it, PhD. Give give it like a 2.5 bubbas. I'm not taking that out. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're going to have to live with that being on your said list. I'm happy to. <laughs> Listen, I'll own that one. I'll own it. Fantastic. Um, so, Fomenko, he served as an editor for several Russian language uh, mathematics journals, um, and he's also... Uh, a member of the the councils that usually uh, handle overseeing the dissertations of uh, the field. Um, in 1996, he would win the state prize of the Russian Federation for excellence in mathematics. Nice. So he's a pretty accomplished um, uh, math mathematician, and he's also a full member of the Russian Academy of Sciences, the International Higher Education Academy of Sciences, and Russian Academy of Technological Sciences. Um, as well as holding a Doctor of Physics and Mathematics. Wow. Um, and being a professor and head of the now. Differential Geometry and Applications Department of the Faculty of Mathematics and Mechanics in Moscow State University, which I believe he holds to this day. Wow. He's going to have a beautiful mind. Now, moment. is he married? I don't care how smart he is. His his brain is broken. <laughs> now, is he married? His brain's fucking broken. Is he around. married? Yeah, it's uh, math. Probably. To I, I need that because the stench. I just want to know if he fucks anything other than his math textbook. You know, like I just, <laughs> I'm just wondering. <laughs> uh. Steve's checking it but out. He, yeah, looking it out. Steve's in there. Is what did the Flamenco great Malenko married? They don't. They don't really list if he's married. I got it. He's married to math. 
again, I with this kind of um, you know pomp and circumstance behind his name, he definitely has to end up being crazy. He he's has to lose it. Like people that are this smart generally just lose it. They're just crazy. Have you um, ever met a college professor? Like they're crazy. So uh, he, he, they can be, yeah, absolutely. He he authored an original theory, the theory of a topological invariance of an integrable um, Hamiltonian system. Those are certainly uh, words. He's authored 180 scientific publications, um, 26 monographs and textbooks on mathematics, um, and and also he's considered to be a specialist in geometry and topology, uh, variational calculus. Uh, Symplectic topology, Hamiltonian geometry and mechanics, and computational geometry. Hmm. Um, but what we're going to talk about today is his books on um, the the development of um, sort of an analysis of historical chronicles, um, as well as a chronology of antiquity in the Middle Ages, uh, based on his own mathematics, which we'll get to in a second. Steve, I gotta tell you, when you put it like that, this makes I'm so excited. I could I, I am on the edge of my seat when you put it like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Keep going. And he's also he's also um, he's also known for his um, for his art and illustration um, depicting uh, objects from mathematics and and topology. Um, so he's so he's actually like somewhat skilled at actually like illustrating the the con the mathematical concepts that he's talking about. Okay, so he's not full of hot air. He he is able to explain. He is a genius mathematician, but again, like the other people who who I would argue, a lot of them probably aren't even like to his level in their areas of of specialization. Um, just because he's like a genius in, in mathematics doesn't mean that his his math and what we're going to talk about is is correct. Okay. Um. So one of the central concepts um is derived from. This Russian scholar named Nikolai uh, Morozov, uh, who lived from 1854 to 1946, um, and then uh, also influenced by the work of a French scholar named Jean uh, John Hardwin, um, who was alive from 1646 to 1729. Um, so Morozov was a um, he's a Russian revolutionary and and pseudo history scholar. Um, uh, Marzov would be, or Fomenko would become interested in Marzov in 1973. Um, uh, Gene, Gene Hardwin, uh, he suggested that a lot of historical documents uh, were much younger than they were commonly believed to be, and in 1685, um, he published a version of Pliny the Elder's Natural History um, in which he claimed that most of the Greek and Roman text had been forged by Benedictine monks. Um, centuries earlier. So okay. So here, here's that. Here's how you get right to the root of all this. Why? Um, so this is this is the the best part about that is that when he was questioned about this, like, well, why do you think this is this? What, what's your evidence? Hardwin stated that he would let uh, he would let the world know in a letter for the monks' reasons for doing this after his death. Um, but after he died, the executors of his estate were unable to find any documents that detailed uh, the reasoning behind this. My man went, he didn't go for the long con. He went for the super long con. Good God. But like, that's that's all you, I mean, you could just get right down to the root of conspiracy theories like that. Why? Why would you do that? Well, yeah, because uh, in order to believe a conspiracy theory, you have to forget about all baby questions. 
Mm-hmm. Like all, um, any questions that a toddler would ask that you should be asking first, mm-hmm. you have to just skip over those well, and just say, because the Benedictine monks wanted to do away with the Jews. Like, you know, it's like, why? Tell me why they wanted to, and then we can establish from there why they wanted to do it, and then we can go well, from there. Exactly. You see, Ryan. I'll let you oh, know. <laughs> but I'll let you know after after I die. It'll be I, I've got a uh, I've got a dummy drop. a dummy. Yeah, I have a dead drop. You know, I have a dead man switch. But I die. Gonna, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna get out. a. It's gonna release you're gonna an get a wake. He recorded just by himself. <laughs> <laughs> a man a man is gonna come up to you on the street. He's gonna hand you a thumb drive, and it's gonna have everything on there. I've heard, I've heard the episode because Steve accidentally put it on the Dropbox and it's t- <laughs> it's actually titled episode ninety so that's the most he expects us to do which tells you how that's much how it tells you how much he boys. believes in us and then it says and the title of the episode is no more interruptions today dickheads <laughs> uh. <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, uh, so tell me how uh, D. Malenko went crazy, man. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the the fifth horseman. Tell me how well, he uh, got. We got beat up by the the Hardy brothers when he was supposed <laughs> to come. When he was supposed to go to that hotel and meet up with, I think it was Lita, and they jumped it. That sounds like a Bischoffian heresy. That's what that sounds like to me. <laughs> I think it, I think it's a Rusarian or a Rusavian. Uh, we we don't discuss work. Rusarian ethics in this house. <laughs> um, so the the concept is all sort of detailed in a in a three volume uh, work that's called the history uh, histories fiction or science, uh, which is originally published in Russian and is published, I believe, today in twenty seven languages. Uh, there there might be more, but uh, unofficially, but officially, oh, in there's definitely languages. more languages. Oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> nah, there aren't. I mean, There's only like 27. <laughs> yeah. French is just snooty Spanish. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> um, Italian is just bougie Spanish. <laughs> so Spain so ha- is Spanish with a lisp. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so he he reconstructs history. He creates um, the, uh, through that. <laughs> creates um, he creates an alternative chronology that is radically shorter than the current uh, uh, accepted timeline um, because he believes that all ancient history is folded into what we believe or currently call the Middle Ages. Okay. Um, so according to him, uh, history only goes back to 800 AD, um, and that there is no information about events from AD 800 to 1000. And most historical events take place from AD uh, 1000 to AD 1500. Which is just patently absurd. I can tell you because I've laid eyes on documents when I've um, been to Europe. Of so, the, what, damn, well, that's where you're wrong, um, <laughs> those, those are we'll manufactured wrong. by Benedictine Sorry, monks, okay. dude. Sorry. So okay. the, Benedict Arnold made those. So it is, it is generally rejected by mainstream historians because it's inconsistent um, with absolute and relative dating techniques, which are, which are commonly used. Um, so most of it, uh, most of the interest in the theory um, ha- comes from people like opposing it. Um, and the second point of interest is that um, 
is is to sort of understand like why it became so popular um, in Russia, and that like thirty percent of Russians currently are sympathetic to this this sort of like timeline. Oh my god! Why are people so fucking gullible, man? And it's it is not really known to what degree um, the the readers of the new chronology. Um, regarded as uh, history or fiction, or like what they believe and what they don't, they believe, which which we'll sort of get into with one of his biggest boosters after we go into sort of a, a lot of the origins of this. So a lot of this sort of comes out during the period of the fall of the Soviet Union, because as the Soviet Union is is sort of uh, collapsing, selling nukes, um, a, a lot of um, a, a lot of like with Perestroika and stuff like that, and, and Glasnost, um, there's sort of like a Perestroika. Perestroika. <laughs> um, that um, people are allowed to sort of like speak uh, theories and, and other things that are against sort of like the communist system and, and sort of like the established Marxist viewpoint of history and such. Um, and, and he becomes one of these. Um, so in 1980, with a few of his colleagues from the mathematics department, um, he publishes. Uh, several articles on, on sort of reevaluating history called the New Mathematical Methods in History, um, and this is published in a peer rev- in peer-reviewed journals. Um, so a lot of these articles sort of stir controversy, um, and and Fomenko isn't really able to win respect from historians uh, in regards to his theories. Okay. Um, so in ni- in the early nineteen nineties, uh, Fomenko begins to sort of shift his focus from trying to convince. Um, uh, to trying to convince historians to trying to convince the, the scientific community uh, via uh, peer-reviewed uh, publications and published books. Because remember, Fomenko is sort of like an established person in the field of science, so he's sort of given uh, preferential treatment in terms of when it comes to like what he can publish, is that a paper from him is more easily accepted, you know, because he's an established expert. I thought he was an expert in math. Well, he is, but this is related to math. Okay. Um, so, as this is going on, um, uh, Alex uh, Beam, a historian, wrote that, that Fomenko and his colleagues were, were discovered by uh, the, the Soviet scientific press of the 1980s, um, leading to like a brief period um, of, of renown for his theories. Um, and a, a contemporary review from the, the Soviet journal, uh, Questions of History, complained about his work. Um, their constructions have nothing in common with Marxist historical science. Okay, so now we're um, now we're getting into that. Okay, okay, Marxism, and, communism, y'all. Is, okay, well, well, they're just sort of going in with like uh, Marxist, like the the Marxist version of history is pretty much like our version of history. It's just more materialistic, mm-hmm. uh, meaning because um, Marxists sort of reject anything that's like spiritual, so they reject sources like the Bible and stuff like that. Okay. Um, Which so, you should. So sort of, yeah. So, so they're sort of going against like the these sort of like uh, systems that ascribe, you know, somewhat like they're, they're sort of trying to be objective is, is essentially what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then and then sort of like framing that with like within the Marxist dialectic, like what does this mean to the current state of the world in terms of reaching communism? Right. I got it. Um, so uh, during this time, he mostly works with his uh, junior partner uh, Gleb. Uh, Nozovsky, um, and a Bulgarian mathematician named uh, Jordan uh, Tabov, um, who who work on this, and, and Tabov would also expand uh, the, the theory in relation to the Balkans, um, uh, 
from what uh, Fomenko writes, which is mainly dealing with Russia. And that begins our new segment. How did the Balkans get fucked, according to what we're talking about in this episode? <laughs> or you could just hang tight and watch America season, what are we on now, 69, see how it ends? <laughs> and uh, we'll find out how the Balkanization happens firsthand. <laughs> Um, in 1996, uh, Fomenko expands his theory to cover Russia, Turkey, China, Europe, and Egypt. So what Fomenko essentially believes is that there was this vast uh, Slavic-Turkic empire called the Russian Horde, uh, which played a dominant role in the history of the Eurasian continent uh, before the 17th century. And according to him, that the peoples identified as Scythians Huns, Goths, Bulgars, um, and through uh, the the Polyan, uh, Dolaby, uh, Drevlian, and and Pechenungs, who are other peoples, um, to in more recent times the Cossacks, Ukrainians, uh, and Belarusians are nothing more than single elements of um, uh, this sort of like singular Russian race. Okay. So, and and for instance, like for instance, he'll say like Jews. Well, well, Jews are 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 sort of like the bankers of this this Russian race who who chose. Uh, Here we go. Who, who chose to follow Judaism? Here I mean, somehow we go. Somehow it always goes back to the Jews. It's um, convenient. And he and he claims that the most probable prototype for Jesus was a combination of Andronikos uh, the first uh, Kaminos. Um, who was allegedly uh, ruled as Emperor of Byzantium from 1152 AD to 1185 AD, um, and who was like known as being like a, a, a guy who attempted to reform uh, Byzantium, um, and that he, he sort of claims that his traits and deeds were reflected in biographies of many real and imaginary people. That, that Jesus... So he's saying Jesus is an amalgamation of a bunch of different people, specifically this guy who's the Emperor of Byzantium? Yeah, Byzantium. Which is probably accurate. Yeah, I mean, I can, I'll buy that for a um, It's, it's basically that, the, the main, like, you know, uh, the historical atheist people. It's like their main line of thinking, you know? that it's Because it's, yeah. most of the Bible is directly relatable to either older myths or other cultures who had the exact same story or stuff like that, so... Listen, yeah, I don't but even buy into it that Jesus was a real person, but I do not buy it. That's like kind of sure. like where my beliefs end. Sure, I could, I, I'll get on board that it was probably a real person, but and then, I but, you know, but my point is, we're talking about good stuff. We're talking about what we referenced earlier, which is that he's basing this on something that's kind of pseudo believable, and that's how you get these things rolling. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he claims that Jesus is an amalgamation of the Old Testament prophet uh, Elijah. Um, who lived from 800, who's believed to have possibly lived from 850 to 800 BC, if he was an actual person. Um, Pope Gregory II, or seventh, um, who lived from about 1020 to 1085 AD. Uh, St. Basil of, of Caesarea, um, who lived from uh, 330 to 379 AD. That's a long time um, back and, then. And also, yeah. uh, Li uh, uh, Yuan Hao, uh, the who's also the emperor uh, Jingzong um, of the Western Xia dynasty, who reigned from 1032 to 1048 AD. Um, Eucleides, um, and possibly uh, the, the gods Bacchus, um, and his Roman his Romanized counterpart Dionysus. Okay. I mean, um, it's a hefty list. 
So he, he sort of explains that the vast differences in the biographies of these figures are a result from the differences in languages, uh, points of view, and time frames of the authors who wrote the biographies. Huh. Um, he, he claims that the historical Jesus was born in Cape Theolent, uh, Crime, uh, Crimea, on December 25th, 1152 AD, and was crucified on March 20th, 1185 AD, on Joshua's Hill overlooking the Bosphorus. Um, he merges the cities of and histories of, of Jerusalem, Rome, and Troy into what he refers to as New Rome. Jerusalem, Troy. Uh, which is the, the, which is the, uh, the Gospel of Jerusalem from the 12th and 13th centuries, um, and uh, Troy and uh, Euros uh, Castle. Um, Euros Castle is is on Joshua's Hill, or it overlooks Joshua's Hill. Um, so, so he alleges like that is the 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 Calvary depicted in the Bible is that one castle. Okay. <sighs> he claims that the that the Hagia Sophia is actually the the biblical Temple of Solomon, um, and he <laughs> he he identifies Solomon as the uh, the Sultan uh, Suleiman the Magnificent. Uh, magnificent, uh, who ruled from 1494 to 1566. He's the one who uh, conquered uh, Constantinople. Uh, okay. Um, so, uh, according to Fomenko, the word Rome is actually a placeholder um, and can signify any number of cities and kingdoms. Um, uh. So he claims that the first Rome, or ancient Rome, um, or uh, Mizraim, is a ancient Egyptian kingdom in the Delta of the Nile with its capital being Alexandria. Um, the second and most famous, uh, new Rome is, as Constantinople, is of course. Jim Rome known sportscaster. And his, <laughs> and his uh, third Rome is the, is the cities of, uh, Constantinople, uh, Rome in Italy and Moscow. Shit. As you're talking, I just want to. I want to tell you to shut the fuck up, like so much. <laughs> he has anyone he ever sat this guy down and just looked at him right in the face, and as every time he speaks, just said, "Shut the fuck up, shut." Just look at him. Shut, and say, shut the, the fuck, fuck up. up. Shut up. Shut the fuck Life up. Life advice, well, though. You know, like Anna Gunn in uh, Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. When, yeah. uh, what is it, uh, her sister-in-law comes in and she's, like, asking all these questions about Walt's birthday and she just starts fucking screaming, shut up, for, like, two minutes. <laughs> so I think some people need that treatment, though, you know? Like, they don't understand. You know what, You know what, Steve? They're minerals. <laughs> They're minerals. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you know, um, I, the other day I was in Rome, which is um, in the panhandle. And, well, uh, also, Steve, you may not know this, but I, I feel it's important you know this as someone of, of Italian descent. Okay. As, as someone who comes from a line of paisans. Okay. That, that Italy, that Rome was actually founded in AD 1380 um, by Aeneas, um, and Moscow was the capital of the Great Russian Horde. Oh, okay. Oh, that makes more sense, you know. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> so... Yeah. Fomenko and his contemporaries say that uh, uh, up to the 17th century, um, historians and translators often assign different dates and locations to different accounts of the same historical events, which created multiple phantom copies of these events. Uh-oh. Um, these, f- these phantom copies were often sort of misstated by centuries and even millennia and ended up incorporated into a, a conventional chronology. 
Um, and he claims that the main architects of this chronology uh, were Joseph Justice uh, Scaliger in his Opus Novum De Amentation Temporum and his uh, Tessarum uh, Temporum, which were respectively published in 1583 and 1606, um, that, that represent a vast array of dates uh, that, that he claims are produced without any justification whatsoever um, and contain repeating sequences of dates and shifts equal uh, to multiples of the major uh, Kabbalistic numbers uh, 333 and 360. Um, and, and the other one he blames is the Jesuit uh, Dionysus uh, Patavius, who completed his chronology in uh, De Doctrina Temporum in 1627, uh, the first volume, and the second volume in 1632. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> yeah, it's like a page turner. Like you could have di- Steve, you could have Steve diarrhea and you'll bring it into the bathroom with you. And, you know, and just Steve won't shut up about it. He's just he's yeah. constantly messaging Big Jesuit me. Guy. Guy. He's, like, he's like, you gotta read it. <laughs> Check it out, Steve. Steve keeps, you know, telling me, he's like, one of these days, Steve, I'm going to join the order. I posted my review of it on goodreads.com. <laughs> five stars. <laughs> he had five whole gold stars. Um, so, he he sort of, uh, so people might wonder, like, why is he, he so obsessed with revising this? So he... That's the question he, we need. There you go. So, so he, he reminds the readers that during this time period of the the 16th and 17th century, uh, chronology was considered a, a subdivision of mathematics. Um. So so he sort of considers that to be his his domain. Okay. Weird, um, but okay. And his uh, he 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 uses uh, 37 complete Egyptian horoscopes uh, found in uh, Dendera, Esna, and other temples that that he shows have uh, valid astronomical solutions uh, with dates ranging from 81,000 up to 80,1700. So he's sort of taking these ancient Egyptian sort of star charts and he's sort of holding them up to star charts and recorded star charts from 81,000 to 80,1700 and finding correlation. Okay. Uh, which is sort of like you, you taking like an old calendar and then matching it up with another calendar. Cause you know, like events repeat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah of so, course. So it, it's definitely the same thing. Yeah. Um, and so he, he sort of applies the vocabulary of the astronomical symbols to, to the horoscopes from temples, and then he's allowed to pull out uh, unique dates for uh, solar eclipses. Um, so he, he uses that as sort of like a model for unique, uh, unique dating of events, um, and that they allow him um, to, to sort of go by it because they don't change from one temple horoscope to the other. Um, so, so he uses this to sort of pinpoint I- exact places on, on a time axis, but um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, this is a very flawed, like, idea of, of doing this. Yeah, of course. Now just a, um, a little quick uh, NFL update. The uh, Pittsburgh Steelers are now tied at the end of the fourth quarter. We're going to overtime. Don't don't worry, Big Ben will he'll blow it. <laughs> They'll blow it in the playoffs. They will. His last, yeah. Back up the truck. Um, uh, so for instance, uh, going by, uh, going by the, these horoscopes, he puts that the, the book of revelation, um, which contains a horoscope, um, in it, 
Um, he dates it to being created on October 1st, 1486, um, as, as compiled by the, the Kabbalist uh, Johannes uh, uh, Ruchlin. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and so Johannes claims- and I go way back, by the way. <laughs> our thing, our theory is that the Jews... No, I'm not going to go down there. Oh, my God. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't do that. As- <laughs> oh, great. Uh, um, as Basically, we- the Jews got mad that the, that the Chinese had karate, so they made Krav Maga, known as also Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> but really... Uh, Krav Maga was just the precursor to uh, the MAGA movement. <laughs> it's actually <laughs> pronounced Crave MAGA. I, I do like uh, that the, how the Squar Brothers put it, that it's the, only, it's the only appropriate time you can use the term someone that you Jewed him down. <laughs> Is that if you took him down with, with Krav Maga. No, Sammy Davis <laughs> Jr. said, have you ever seen a Jiu-Jitsu? <laughs> and that was, that was accurate, because he, he was Jewish, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he converted. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I remember. That's the Adam, uh, the Adam Sandler song. He's. I think he might be in that. Yeah, he says in Sammy Davis too. Yeah. Um. So part of this goes that he claims that that modern and and, and after the sort of period of the 17th century that the historians and commentators aren't able to really fully understand things because there was a loss of a, a loss of knowledge and in interpreting interpreting. Um, the symbolism of these, these astrological uh, signs and this guy's um, gonna and, and the apocalypse and this guy's oh here we go <laughs> the apocalypse and, and says, is here and you know timers. there's a lack of knowledge for this period and that's why it doesn't make sense and I'm gonna fill in for you <laughs> here we go and he, he he says that one of the reasons why this happens is because there was sort of a taboo around studying the apocalypse. So that that it fell into disuse and, and was somewhat banned. So so people forgot how to do it. Um, or we could just not. <laughs> um, and then he said too that the apocalypse lost its astrological um, description um, and and sort of like its um, importance astrologically um, to readers because of this. Right. Um, but he, he also ignores uh, horoscopes found in Sumerian and Babylonian tablets uh, because he claims that they don't contain enough astronomical uh, data. Um, so, and he also claims that um, that he's not able to find the, the unique dates for eclipses in these tablets. Hmm. Um, so because they're not like sort of detailed enough, he can't really apply his, his theory to these uh, Babylonian tablets. Right. Um, and, and he also going by Chinese um, astro- astrological tables. Um, he finds these uh, useless because he claims they contain too many eclipses that did not take place um, astronomically. You know, he was just confused. What year of the rat? What the fuck is the year of the rat? Exactly. <laughs> he was just confused. <laughs> so even, even though like, Chinese uh, astrological charts are, are more advanced, you know, for instance, having uh, listed like comets and things like that. Um, he can't use them for his method. Um, so because he can't use the eclipse data from these Chinese sources, he just completely discounts them. Huh. Amazing. Okay. Amazing. Um, so <laughs> I don't understand main, it, so I'm not using it. So one of his main methods for doing this is he correlates uh, statistical um, information. Um so his basic assumption is is that 
when he looks at a text, it'll describe a range of dates, um, and that and that books will describe a uh, more space to uh, more important events. For example, um, a, a period of, of war or or sort of like uh, of trouble, um, and that that would and then therefore they don't devote as much space to periods of like peace that are uneventful, which is um, probably accurate. So he, he says that this irregularity uh, remains visible um, in, in multiple descriptions of the period. You know what? He so should probably he, start eating some chia seed to get more regular, you know? Yeah. That, that would help him. He needs some brain force. Yeah, brain force one. Or oh maybe he took God. too much brain force. That's Probably that's too problem. much brain force. That's probably, you're probably <laughs> his, right. His, his brain is like over, like, it's just like pulsating out of his head. He He's like the, uh, yeah, I'm thinking electrolytes too. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he might be part plant. Yep. He's like the uh, the 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 one aliens from Star Trek, um, the, the giant the giant <laughs> yeah. heads. I think they're the Elogians. Or th- or... But anyways, um, so he he sort of looks at this and then he analyzes um, sort of the maps, um, a number of pages that are they're in a work, um, and that he he sort of compares the two texts. Uh, for instance, he'll compare a, te- a contemporary history of Rome written by uh, Titus Livius, with a modern history of Rome written by a Roman historian, uh, V.S. Uh, Sergeyev, um, and he calculates that the two have high correlation, and thus they describe the same period of history, uh, which which you can't really dispute with because they're both history books of Rome. Right. Sure. Um, so he compares the modern texts, uh, which describe different periods, and calculates uh, low uh, correlation, which, which is to be expected. They're books on different subjects. Mm-hmm. Um, so when he compares the ancient history of Rome and the medieval history of Rome, he calculates a high correlation and concludes that the ancient history of Rome is a copy of the medieval history of Rome, thus clashing with mainstream uh, interpretations. <sighs> I, I just, it's so, so the, profoundly uh, dumb. And so this guy's still going on and on, right? Like, he's alive yeah, he's, and people are still buying into that shit. Yeah, about... Uh, Allegedly, thirty percent of Russians don't they understand the history like like time is a flat circle like it does re- like history repeats itself. Well, we'll 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 sort of get into like why people believe in this, like why why this is popular. Is it nationalism and, and, at all? Like, if I don't hate it, it is to a degree. It's going to end up being with Nazis. Watch this. It, it is it is a, a sort of like a fascistic movement that exists within Russia. I figured as much. Um, so. First, what he does is he correlates dynasties. So he creates a database of rulers uh, containing the relevant information for them, such as their reign dates. Um, he then creates uh, what he calls survey codes for each pair of the rulers, which contain a, a number which describes the degree of match for each uh, considered uh, property of two rulers. Um, so an example of this is one of the properties is the way of death. If two rulers were both poison, they get a value of plus one in their their property of the way that they died. If one ruler was poisoned and another was killed in combat, they get a minus one. And if, and if one was poisoned and another died of illness, they get a zero. Um, Fomenko claims because there's a possibility that they were not um, impartial and that and that like a person being poisoned could still be the same as someone dying of illness. Um, the most important property, though, in this calculation is the length of their rule. Um, so they receive uh, higher points um, if they're considered to be a, an illustrious ruler of the nation, too. 
So if there's two dudes who are like, this guy was like the greatest pharaoh and this guy was the greatest emperor, like if they if they reigned for a similar amount of time, he correlates them together. Okay. Okay. Um. So he uses these graphs, and um, he also uses other um, other parameters. Um, and he also claims that regnal histories from the 17th to 20th century uh, never show these correlations of dynastic flows with each other. Um, so therefore, he insists that history was multiplied and outstretched into an imaginary antiquity to justify this or other uh, quote-unquote royal pretensions. Um, so, so to sort of improve the, the dynasties of different royal families. Has he never heard of the Kennedys? Has he never heard of the Bushes? How dare he say that we don't have dynasties and royal families in the 20th, in the 20th century? Get the fuck out of here. We absolutely have royalty in this country still. Yeah, pseudo-royalty, but yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, he would he would also use uh, the 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 chronological tables of Jay Blair um, to to complement uh, with the list of rulers and their reign uh, durations taken from other tables and monographs, um, both from uh, the medieval time period and from the contemporary time period. Um, you know what I miss? I miss medieval times, the dinner experience. Now that you say that, <laughs> like. <laughs> Dinner and a show, baby. That was like the greatest thing. Because there was one in Orlando when I was younger. Oh, God, it's great. <laughs> it is pretty good. I'm hungry. Just, what do you want? <laughs> you, you just want a giant turkey leg and, and Bro, some I'm just whip it in my head. <laughs> oh. Um. So he um he, he sort of goes to these. He says that it creates. Um, this this sort of uh, chronology that that's been buried um, under uh, that's been further been buried by by historians of the 19th and 20th centuries. So he's saying like the fix has been in since the 17th century, but in the uh, the 19th and 20th centuries they just went double time and, and sort of like covering it up. Okay, so why? <laughs> um, <laughs> for for a number of reasons to to just sort of uh, prop up. Um, sort of like Western civilization as opposed to Eastern civilization, you know, to make like Western Europe um, seem more important than than Eastern Europe. I got it. Um, so he also examines other uh, astronomical events um, that are in um, ancient texts. Um, and for instance, uh, he says that there is a mysterious drop in the value of, of lunar acceleration parameters, um, such as a a linear combination of the angular accelerations of the Earth and the Moon between the years 8700 and 1300, uh, which uh, the American astronomer Robert Newton had explained in terms of what he called non-gravitational forces. Um, uh, those are so, all certainly words that I understand. <laughs> so by, but, but he says that if you... It's like Jordan Peterson talking. You know, yeah, the I understand those words, but in the order of, that you put them in, of Walmart <laughs> is that if you don't make your bed in the morning, you'll die from socialistic, Stalinistic, relativistic, differential hypocrisy. Well, and now he's now he's on on the locks uh, of his office door. Now he's uh, I need now he's, on, uh, now he's on the evils of the vaccine and, and mask mandates. I need clonopin to. The, but my philosophy is going to help I need, everyone. I but need I need Klonopin. <laughs> he's this, there. He's got a greater than zero chance. I mean, a f- 
like a far greater zero than chance of dying if he gets COVID, being that he was just came out of a coma, may have possibly died in Russia getting some alternate treatments or whatever like that. Like, he's not the guy to be issuing the vaccine right now. No. Nope. Oh, don't worry. I'm sure his daughter's helping him along. She's been trying to kill him for a while. My daughter's <laughs> trying to end me. It was it, it was hilarious because he talked about the chaos dragon and how it was feminine, and he was essentially describing his daughter to a T. Oh my god! Um, so essentially, all that all that jargon I said means is that these these changes are actually explainable uh, through different like astronomical events happening through through physics. We could sort of go back and say like, well, it was probably caused by this, this, and this things affecting the gravity. Um, but uh, Fomenko says, you know, but if you get rid of these, he says it creates a, a constant value of D beginning at AD 1000, which is where he starts his chronology. Why does he start it at 1000 instead of zero? Like well, because remember, he's, he's, he's going by our calendar. So he says that, like, real history begins at AD 1000. Oh, and according that, to our calendar, AD 1000 is, yeah. like, is, is year zero. Yes. Okay, so we're in 1922 then. Yeah, uh, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we would be in one thousand. We would be in uh, uh, or 1021. Yeah, ten twenty two. Ten twenty two. Ten twenty two. Yeah. Wow. Damn. That sucks. <laughs> um. So, for instance, he associates the uh, the star of Bethlehem, um, with a, a supernova that happened around um eighty eleven forty, um, which became the the Crab Nebula. Um, and the eclipse that occurred on the crucifixion uh, with the total solar eclipse that occurred on May 1st, A.D. 1185. Because um, remember, he said A.D. 1185 was when his version of Jesus uh, gets got. Right, um, okay. He gets clapped in, in year yeah. basically 185. Uh, okay. On May 1st, uh, on May Day of 1185. Gotcha. Um, so he believes that... Uh, he, he also believes that the crabs... Uh, a nebula supernova could not have been seen in AD uh, 1054, um, and but it was probably seen in 1153. Um, he doubts. What? He he again doubts uh, Chinese astronomical data. <sighs> Sounds just like racism with added steps. Um, so he also says that the the star catalog um, in the Almagest, um, which was created by uh, uh, Claudius uh, Ptolemy. Um, he claims it was compiled in the 15th to 16th century AD. Okay. Um, so he he sort of goes back to the old stellar catalogs and claims that the that Almagest is based on data collected between AD 600 and 1300, um, whereby um, he, he can take into account his his sort of um, the 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 way the moon moves essentially, um, uh, the the telluric. Um, Abakitius. So he wants to do like a lunar calendar. Well, well, because remember I said like because the the discrepancy in the lunar calendar that's caused by these other gravitational forces or, or non uh, gravitational forces acting and affecting the moon, affecting its gravity. Um, he says those don't exist. So he's trying to find ways to sort of you know uh, make his system work. God damn it! Okay, Jesus, that's, that's fine. Totally scientific. Come up with the solution and then work backwards. One hundred percent scientific, right here. Um, he also takes the uh, these um, the, these horoscopes called the uh, Dendera zodiacs, which are two horoscopes that were drawn on the ceiling of the Temple of Hathor um, in Egypt, and he comes to the conclusion that they were created in the eleventh or thirteenth century. 
How? Um, he uses uh, he, he uses a computer era dating method of all all thirty seven Egyptian horoscopes, um, and, and that he he sort of fixes them in. Um, he claims that all those horoscopes correspond to things within a, a time frame from the eleventh to the nineteenth century. Mm-hmm. Um, so traditionally, these horoscopes are considered to belonging to the first century BC, um, and that. Um, and that some also suggest that they weren't meant to, to show any particular date at all. I see. All right. Um, so in his final analysis uh, of a, of a triad of eclipses described by, uh, Thucydides in his history of the Peloponnesian war, um, uh, Fomenko dates the eclipses at AD 1039, 1046 and 1057. Um, so, because of looking at the manuscript, he claims that Thucydides actually lived in medieval times, and in describing the Peloponnesian War, which is the war between the Spartans and the Athenians and their alliances, he was actually describing the conflict between the Duchy of Athens and the Duchy of Neopatris in Greece, which was held at that time by the Catalan Company, uh, a group of, of mercenaries from Catalan um, who were attacked by the Navarrese Company, um, and another mercenary company that was also from the Spanish uh, peninsula. You lost me. Um, f- yeah. Um, in the late 14th century. <laughs> yeah, you completely lost me. So he's essentially saying that the Peloponnesian War, which is like one of the great events of like Greek history, mm-hmm. actually happened in medieval times and was actually between these like uh, Spanish mercenaries. Why did you companies. just fucking say that? <laughs> 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 Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, like that's that is like just he's just re he's just reinventing everything he possibly can around some bizarre theory. Like, am I getting this? Like, is that is that yes. essentially his shtick? He's just he's just gonna keep reinventing stuff. He's a crypto bro. Yeah, he just um, keeps reinventing shit. So he he rejects uh, dendrochronology, um, which is the the study of of trees to determine age. Um, because he says that um, he says that it's not absolute, but a relative dating method, and he says thus it's dependent on the traditional chronology. Um, so he he claims that there's a, a break in the the dendrochronological um, scales uh, around eighty one thousand, but that's not true because uh, uh, as we'll get into in the second part, uh, dendrochronology actually goes back like uh, ten thousand years. It goes it goes back to like ten thousand BC. Wow. Um, so, uh, he cites a number of cases of, uh, carbon dating of, of objects, um, that, that gave different, um, significantly different dates, which he claims, um, shows that, there, that there's sort of this, uh, cooperation between physicists and archaeologists in obtaining dates, and that most of the radiocarbon dating that goes in labs, um, only accept, uh, samples with an age estimate suggested by historians and archaeologists, essentially saying, you know, that it's rigged. Okay, but it's... Uh, never mind. Um, he also claims that carbon dating over the range of 81 to 2000 is inaccurate because it has too many uh, sources of, of error um, and that he says that it's either being guessed at or completely ignored to get the, the date they want. Wow. Um, so he claims that radiocarbon dating is not accurate for his uh, to, to meet any scale. Um, he also rejects uh, a nuministic dating Um which is which is using uh, money to, to establish a date where you can find a chronology of say like um, a, a culture by going through the coins that you find at an archaeological site. Mm-hmm. Um, he rejects that. 
because he's a clown. Right, because um, a coin so, collector is a numismatist. Yeah. That's true. Um, so That's he, true story. He'll, he'll say, like, well, that, that doesn't mean anything. You know, that coin could be anywhere. Someone could have just made it. So you, you can't use that. I mean, uh, part of me feels like I'm just, like, I'm upset because I'm not in on the grift, right? Like, so I'm not getting any money out of this. They're a little bit. <laughs> well... It's well, kind of well, it's well, it's kind of like uh, COVID loans. Like I really feel like I should have taken out a COVID loan because it, it seems like everyone did, except me. We could have got a COVID loan for our podcast. Business. We we probably could have. We pro- I could have I could have listed it as Steve as our boss. Yeah. Let him handle the tax stuff and take the money. I don't I don't want this to turn into that. It's always sunny episode. <laughs> Which one's that? No. The the one with the, where they have to explain their PPE loans. Oh, that was so good. Oh, that was such a good episode, dude. Ah, that's right. Because while we could have gotten those loans, Steve, we would have to pay them back. Nah, nah, we'd be all right. (laughs) Nah, not at all. We're good. Steve, it's all like a credit card. It's not just free money. It's exactly like a credit card, dude. It's your money. Use it when you need it, okay? It's like J.G. Wentworth. That's what I was going for there. It's your money. You want it now. That's right. Called J.G. Um, so, Wentworth. So, so just to give you a preview of our next episode, Steve, how do you feel about Gary Kasparov? Oh, man. Uh, so, very intelligent dude. Says some things that, you know, outside of the chess arena makes sense. Say, he's, a, he's a grandmaster, isn't he? He's, pro- he's, he's in the conversation for the top five players of all time. So he Okay, so he's definitely a grandmaster. He, okay. He's probably grandmaster of grandmasters like he's up there in the top five players of all time as far as my chess habit goes i like him um but he has definitely gotten involved in a lot of political arenas and other arenas that are questionable at best so i wouldn't ally myself too closely to him right now which is which is understandable and, and a good stance to take before we get into that because we'll we'll, we'll touch on a, a little bit of his uh, collaboration with uh, Gary Kasparov. Oh God! Because uh, G- Gary Kasparov, is, as we'll come to see, is is sort of like the proto uh, Russian Joe Rogan. No man. Yeah, he's I'll, okay. I know he's bad. Like I I know he's done. He said some really dumb shit. Uh, so yeah, I knew better than to just be like, yeah, I love him. <laughs> great love, guy. Love, love him. Love everything he has to say. Yeah. Love everything he you does. You should see how much he doesn't just checkmate you on the board. He checkmates you in life. All right. <laughs> At no point should you ever say that you unequivocally are like, yeah, no, he's a pretty cool guy. When Steve asks you something like that, <laughs> well, you especially know, when it's appointed person. In 2022, like, how do you feel about this person. There is. It's even more important because of just the sheer amount of information that's going around that you may not have heard about a thing. You know that kind of thing. It's probably yeah. prudent, which a lot of people lack prudence. <laughs> I mean, let's, yeah. let's be honest, right? But it's. I mean, listen, who have I learned about on the show already? Dollar Mendy yeah. and everybody else that I've brought <laughs> up, and you guys are like, yeah, so... it's probably. I'm afraid to bring people up at this exactly. point. Exactly. It's probably. I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> I'm afraid to bring shit up because you guys are going to be like, yeah, so, uh, yeah, he, uh, he drop kicks puppies. I call it the, uh, the Jim Cornette effect, <laughs> which is like Jim Cornette's <laughs> like a former uh, wrestling uh, stooge. And uh, yeah. commentator and, and whatever. And um, in the last, like, ten years, he's done all these these shoot interviews, which is, um, if you're not familiar, it basically means that it's off the cuff. It's not scripted. 
and he's just like going hard on all these old wrestlers and he's he's really angry yeah. about it and they're very entertaining but if you look into things Jim Cornette has said or done uh in like the last 10 15 years you're done like really? yeah you're out he's well the the thing with him is that he's been fired from every every promotion um, and his own promotion that he ran, he ran into the ground and it failed. Um, so now pretty much what he Which does he is he's like a shock. For. <laughs> he, he's, he's a shock jock on, on YouTube, essentially. And he has a, and, and and he has a, a podcast. podcast. Okay. Yeah. Um, which, which they're both like one and the same. Um, oh, okay. And so he Steve, he the does, Steelers won NFL update. We won in overtime. Nice. We beat the fucking Ravens. Um, so. Fucking rest in peace, John Madden. So essentially oh, what yeah. he does is, is he mostly um, just sort of like shits all over like modern wrestling and especially like AEW uh, because they won't give him a job. And also because he thinks he can like he can like work his way into a job by like es- essentially like shooting on them and, and just by like making them look bad. Yeah, because um, that's what's called heat in wrestling. Um, but but yeah, he, he just makes a lot of bad comments. He's racist. He's misogynistic. Um, he, um, like he said, like at shows in the nineties, um, like he's dropped like N bombs, like during the show as part of the show. Um, Yeah. Like he's done dumb things basically, but the, and not like the Vince McMahon dropping the N bomb in front of the Like, but the gist of it is, is that we live in a, in a world where like, you gotta be careful about who you ally to. Uh, you just have to, you can't hold too tightly to a relationship with a public figure because I was a big Jim Cornette guy. And then. Man, uh, if you take like, like I said, if you take ten minutes, you're like, holy shit, right? I mean, and then you got to think about it too. Most people really only know the surface. I mean, if you ask me, Steve really triggered me here because if you ask me about uh, Bobby Fisher, I'll talk about it all day, you know. And Bobby Fisher was like, Bobby Fisher was makes the guy we're discussing, uh, the great Flamenco, it makes him look sane. Oh God! Oh my God! So probably, arguably, the greatest chess player in history. Okay. Fucking awful person. <laughs> like, oh, and it didn't. That it didn't start that way. It didn't start that way. No. But I mean, admittedly, at one point, yeah. I liked Joe Rogan. I Me liked too. His content. Ten I years ago, I was a I was yeah. a big yeah. fan, and then at some point, instead of like him just kind of beating around the bush about certain things he believes, it just became the show. I'm gonna tell you That's it what was happened. the episode where he had Barry Weiss on. He had her on, and she started saying some crazy shit, and he just was like, uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh, and with no pushback, and I was like... I remember uh, I used uh, to be able to tell people, like, yeah, I heard it on Joe Rogan, and now I just, I don't, I refuse to listen to it because it's so bad. And it's not because no, I'm being, nothing. like, shit on, like, I'm not being controlled, I'm not, like, being cucked or anything like that. I just, I'm not interested in, like, any of the topics he has people on for anymore. It's just so, it's so insane, you know? The but best, it's sad. The best ones it's sad. He would have like Joey Diaz and all these people on. Oh yeah, Joe Rogan. Yeah, yeah, that was the best. Like when he was in his wheelhouse, it was about fighting, drugs, and out there, and out there like topics, and occasionally comedy. Yeah. I mean, he brings comedy into everything. But like stories about like coming up, you know? What yeah. I mean? But then it then it became all politics. Like every fucking show, yeah. I tried listening to it like a year ago, and it just every uh, every single show just devolves into it. You know. He's he's gotten really into like uh, masks, and and even before Corona, he just got well into like 
the intellectual dark, he, he, dark and he, web or whatever. Dork, yeah, the dork, dork web. web yeah. Whatever. He got yeah. he got shelved yeah. by Bill Burr in about ten seconds, in in that one interview they did during COVID. Yeah, where he, and which, uh, which which is the most succinct way to put it of like why like if they were going to kill everybody, it wouldn't be through the vaccine they want everyone to get. Because he said, you know, they they don't want the they don't want the Fonzies, as he called them. They'd be the only people yeah. who lives. The people who like don't want to follow orders or whatever. They incredible. want the people who follow orders to live. Yeah, exactly. Because they're the ones that are going to be shoveling shit and digging ditches. Yeah. For why them. would you want all the people who refuse to listen to basic advice to be alive if your goal was to like control the world? That doesn't make any sense. And then on top of that, just the idea that you think you're better or you know better than the global scientific community and health community. Like just because there's a couple gaffes in the messaging and there's some politicizing of the, uh, of like the individual issues involved during the course of a pandemic that we were still figuring out. But that's how you're going to just like say nothing is, you know, nothing's on the up and up. I mean, and that's basically what it was. Bill Burr just was like, fuck you, dude, you're wrong. I have the solution. I'm listening to the doctors. Okay, back in the day, I remember at one point, I started going down the rabbit hole into, like, the moon landing conspiracies and shit like that. Okay. Like, I started going into the rabbit hole. There's nothing wrong with exploring it. Nothing wrong with exploring it. I remember at one point being on the internet, and I was clicking around, and then I came up to, like, World Trade Center conspiracies. Yep. And I remember reading in re- and it just not really believing it, okay? But just remember reading it. And at one point, I would say a couple days later, I was talking to my granddad, right? And I respected my granddad. I still to this day I respect him more than most. Me too. People He's a great guy. Planet, right? He's a fantastic <laughs> guy. Shout out to Don, right? So listen, I'm talking to him, and I start going about. I, for some reason, I started talking about the moon landing and how I, I started to believe it was a conspiracy. And the the man, one of the man, one of the few men that I respect more than anything in the world, looked me in my face. He goes, "Ryan, are you fucking retarded? Hard R and everything." And I was like, "I'll drop that what? hard R." And he goes, "He goes, listen to what you're saying. Are you fucking stupid?" And I was like, "I." Uh, wh- and it was that it was that, it took that immediate shock to my system where I was like, "Yeah, yeah, this is fucking ridiculous. What am I doing?" Yeah, man. I think the people who start to, as soon as you start to hit that slope, yeah, where you're just like, "Man, I'm starting to believe this shit." You need somebody who you respect, who you hold up, like not maybe not on a pedestal, but somebody who you deeply respect to look at you and be like, "You are a fucking idiot. Shut right. up." Shut the fuck up! Absolutely, see, I believe most people don't get. I believe in that, and I don't. I don't think a lot of people have someone who's close to them. Need someone. I don't think they have people. A lot of a lot of people have someone who's close to them that they hold in that kind of regard. Every everyone needs someone in their crew like that. It's like the Squire Brothers said about Michael Jordan. Like he needs somebody in his crew that they're telling like, don't don't get a Hitler mustache or. Like, don't, don't, even like, to be don't buy a motorcycle. Don't put team. sixty grand on the Browns, like you know, yeah. shit like. <laughs> and I mean, not even trying to be funny, but like something awful also kind of sort of had that kind of effect on me because it was a very like I was young when I really started reading and like reading something awful, and I would just remember you know saying dumb shit and people would just oh if you say something you. dumb in the forums, you yeah, will not you just get you will piled. get destroyed, and not only so that kind of we're talking about, about it, you know like. I mean? People on the spectrum with a lot of time and information, like to break down your punctuation, they're gonna like fuck you up. Thousand people, <laughs> they're gonna fuck you up, and you're gonna know about it. So, like, I'm super, I'm super you, careful what I post on back, there. Though. 
You know what I'm saying? But it, it, you see how it works. It makes you take a step back and say, let me really think about yeah. what I'm going to say before I just get fucking shit on. Yeah. And a lot of that comes down to you have to have humility and you have to have you be capable of shame, which... Speaking okay, of shame, uh, I'm not ashamed to say that I have to go to the bathroom, so we're going to end it there. On that note. <laughs> <laughs> Later. We'll be back. Later. Bye.